Welcome to the Church at Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcasts. This week we continue this seven-part series entitled The Power of Perspective, Life Principles from the Book of Proverbs. And this week's message is brought to us by our student ministries pastor, Dave Cox. And it's entitled Moving Past Procrastination. Well, today we're continuing our series in Proverbs. And uh, when we think of the book of Proverbs, I think Christians have this love-hate relationship with this book. Uh, with Proverbs, there's something really special about these, this book and about the individual verses in here. They come with a lot of sparkle. They have a lot of punch. And, uh, and with that, they can, they can be really encouraging. They can be really convicting. And, uh, and they can be used to really get under somebody's skin if you want to. <laughs> Parents have learned this for generations. You know, Proverbs says, listen to your father's teaching and don't forsake your mother's teaching either. That's in Proverbs, you know. Uh, and so kids all of a sudden start getting this wedge like, ooh, I don't like that book. Um, but there can be a lot of encouragement in this book, especially if you're getting older. Uh, I see Greg Wood over here. I'll dedicate this verse to you. This is Proverbs twenty twenty nine. It says, the glory of young men is in their strength, but the splendor of old men is in their gray hair. <laughs> uh, aren't Proverbs great? Uh, it's an amazing, amazing book. There's 31 chapters. You could take a chapter a day and read it, mull over it. I love this book. Um, it can be a little bit confusing at times. Some of the Proverbs you might not catch right away. Like, I'm not sure what, what they're getting at. So I'd encourage you, as you read through Proverbs, it'll be helpful to get a few different translations. Um, and that way you can see a little bit different phrasing, a little bit different wording, and you might catch nuances you won't catch by just reading one translation. So that might be a help for you. And just remember, as you're reading through Proverbs, you've heard this already, but as you're reading through Proverbs, Proverbs are not promises. Um, Proverbs are more written to give you perspective on how life usually works, why life is lived, how life is lived, the way things are. Um, so they're not necessarily specific promises to claim, but if you're living your life in this pattern, this is what you can usually expect from your life. Uh, someone wrote this definition. I think it, it helped to clarify it. it. says, Proverbs are short sentences drawn from long experience. Not good? Solomon wrote it. Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived. There will be no one wiser. And as he wrote these things, we know what was in his heart as he wrote it. Wasn't to be the best published author, nothing like that, thinking this is going to be here for generations, but we know it was in his heart. It's in chapter one of Proverbs, if you read through it, the first seven verses, if you ever read through that, you'll, you'll catch the heart of Solomon. Uh, in verse two, he says, I want to, I'm writing this because I want to teach you wisdom. Verse three, he says, I'm writing it because I want it to form your character. Verse seven, it's, he says, I'm writing it because I want to encourage an absolute obedience in your relationship with God. That's what I'm going for. And so as we go through this series on Proverbs, that's our heart. Uh, teach us wisdom. Form our character to encourage an obedient relationship with Christ. And so we're going to camp in this book for a few weeks uh, down the road. And as we do that, we're going to be hitting some very specific topics. Proverbs really, um, in, in ways that almost nowhere else in the Bible, it, will, it can narrow in and really hit some specific topics and give real practical advice. And so we're going to take a look at some of the specifics as we go through the weeks. Today's Proverbs uh, that we're going to be looking at focus on what Stan just mentioned. It's the topic of procrastination. Ooh, that sounds fun, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, could be a little bit convicting. Uh, the truth is this. Every single one of us will deal with this uh, at some level or another. We all procrastinate. 
Uh, it's just a matter of how much do we procrastinate and what things do we choose to procrastinate on? You know, we can't be proactive on everything in life. That's ridiculous. We just don't have enough time. We're not omnipresent. We can't be everywhere. But when we're through this message and the heart of this message is this. In the topic of procrastination, we're dealing with the things that are most important in your life. Um, The things that we are most excited about, we usually won't procrastinate on that. But when something gets hard or there's a big challenge or it's going to stretch us, it's going to make us uncomfortable, it's a lot easier to drag our feet. Isn't that true? Uh, so, and, and because we drag our feet, there can be some big consequences that we have for it. And so the, the idea today is let's look at Proverbs. Let's see what Proverbs has to say about this topic. And let's see, and the question we're going to answer is how can we move past this? How do we move past procrastination? Um, so it doesn't matter if you're a person in here, if we came in your office, you have a really clean desk or you're someone with a messy desk. Uh, if you're someone who plans things out way in advance, uh, or you're someone who kind of lives more spontaneously and does it. I don't care. Any person will and can does and deals with this at some level or another. And in studying it this week, I actually learned there's several types of procrastination. There's something called um, bigro- uh, recrastination. I'll do that one first. Recrastination. This is if you're putting off the same task over and over and over again. Recrastinating. Uh, there's something called bicrastination. This is when you have an amazing gift of putting off two tasks at the same time. <laughs> You're very gifted at that. Uh, my favorite is this one. It's called concrastination. It's when you're pretending to complete a task, but you're really doing nothing to get it done. You ever do that? Uh, there's times I've got so much to do and I start, I feel like, okay, I'll just clean my desk first. I've got to get my desk cleaned up. Oh, I'll answer just a few emails. And so I'm scurrying, doing all this busy work, and it could be an hour later and you haven't done anything yet. It looks like you're getting something done, but you're not. You're putting off what you know you need to get done. You're concrastinating. <laughs> um, I actually was on the internet this week, and this is true. You could go and look for them. Uh, these are proud procrastinators. It's called the Procrastinators Club of, Amer- of America. And uh, this is their motto. If procrastination was bad, they wouldn't have put the pro before the procrastination. <laughs> uh, you know who their person of the year was for 1995? Tom DeLay. You know why? They liked his last name. <laughs> Weird, eclectic group of people. Uh, the truth is, most of us know the right thing to do. You know the right thing to do. Um, I usually know the right thing to do. It's a matter of doing it. Just applying and just getting down and just doing it. And so as we look at how to move past procrastination, I think this message is going to have a lot more impact, a lot more meaning if you have something more tangible in your own mind of how this message is going to apply for you. So as we get ready to look through this and go through this study this morning, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think and see if you can identify something you might be putting off. You might be pushing away, kind of dragging your feet on. Don't really want to look at, don't want to address. I'll give you a couple ideas. Maybe you need to have a a much-needed talk with one of your kids. A tough conversation. Maybe you need to have, or you're at a place where you know you need to carve out some more space in your schedule so that you can give more time to your family. Maybe you've been battling with something for years. It's not going away. You probably need to even get some professional help just to talk through it. You should go to some counseling. We've been putting that off. 
Um, maybe it's as simple as coming clean. Uh, you know you just got to make peace with God. There's been things going on in your life, you know you've got distance there. And you've even been coming in, going out of church. You could even do it when you read through the Bible, but you've been avoiding God. Maybe it's just coming clean. Maybe it's as simple as attending a life group. You've kept distance in your own life, boundaries. Uh, maybe it's as simple as um, getting involved somewhere, volunteering your time, applying yourself in ministry, making yourself available. There's a lot of them out there. So for you, those are the kinds of things to be thinking about this morning. Some of you have things already in your mind, but as we go through this study this morning, other things may begin to surface in your mind, uh, to come up. Take that as the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to those things. That's God's way of communicating to you as we go through a study like this. How do we move past that? And that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. How do you move past procrastination? Well, here's the first one. If you have an outline, you can follow along and you can fill in as we go through this. But the first way we're going to move past procrastination is to ask God to help you identify the reason. Ask God to help you identify the reason. Um, Anytime we know the right thing to do, but we're not doing it, there's something behind that. There's a reason. There's a cause. There's something that's happening behind the scenes there. And the Bible gives several reasons why this happens. Why we might put something off. And the, probably the biggest one, the most obvious one in the book of Proverbs, that is, is laziness. Is laziness. In fact, laziness, they ha- Proverbs uses a great word for this, especially if you're using the NIV and you're studying through this. If you ever see the word sluggard, that means lazy. You're lazy. Uh, Arise, O sluggard, awake from your lethargy. Another favorite one some people would quote. Uh, but Proverbs 13.4, lazy people want much, but they get little. The NIV puts it another way, Proverbs 13, um, 4. It says, the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. It's saying this, everybody has desires, but when you're lazy, it's just unfulfilled desires. It's just not happening in life. And there's a lot of things that can really contribute to that. In the book of Proverbs, when it talks about laziness or being a sluggard, Um, It speaks of this 14 times. That word is used nowhere else in the Old Testament. It's only used in Proverbs, but used 14 times. In chapter 15, verse 19, it contrasts being lazy or being a sluggard with someone who's upright, who has right standing with God. So there's weight to this thing, that when you're putting something off, you're doing something like that, you're walking exactly opposite of someone who's walking upright with God. So God says, this is a big deal. This is more serious than just kind of putting off something and especially the big things in life. Um, For us to be lazy is probably getting easier for us. Uh, We can do almost anything from our couch these days. Isn't that true? Uh, We could talk to Uganda, anybody in Uganda. We could communicate with all of your friends. You could communicate with all your family. You could stay in touch. You could do all your Christmas shopping from your couch, online. They'll even wrap it for you. Send it to the person. You won't even have to see them. Uh, You could order groceries. You could do almost anything. You can stay in touch anywhere around the world, know what's happening around the world, all from our couch. That's pretty amazing stuff. But we can also be pretty lazy with that. 
So just know, it can begin developing some habits within us. So one of the causes of procrastination is laziness. Another one is fear. Fear. That's Proverbs 29, verse 25. So if you're in your Bible, you can flip over to chapter 29. Look at verse 25. And I'll read out of the NIV. In this one, it says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Another translation reads it like this. A person's fear sets a trap for him. Uh, whenever we're afraid of something, it's really easy to put it off, to delay, to hold back, um, to avoid it. There's a lot of types of fears. We can have fear of failure. Um, fear of rejection. Uh, we may not go on a job interview. Fear of failure. Uh, we might not try out for a sports team. There's fear. You don't want to be turned down. Uh, it could be just fear of asking somebody out on a date, staring at that phone. Huh? Uh-uh, you don't want to deal with a rejection that could come from that. There's a lot of fears. Um, fears of sharing your faith, because what will people think? Um, a fear of trying to contribute, but feeling like you might not have enough to contribute. A uh, fear of going after your dream. It could be anything. There can even be fear of success. Because the fear that can even develop from that is your wonder, can I even maintain that? If I succeed and do really well, people will expect more of me. Then what? What if I can't live up to it? Fear of man's a big thing. But fear can creep in and cause us to procrastinate. Another fear that Proverbs identifies is arrogance. Arrogance. Or pride. This is Proverbs 21, 24. If you want to flip back to chapter 21, it says this. The proud and arrogant man. Mocker is his name. He behaves with overweening pride. Now, the whole idea of pride causing you to procrastinate or arrogance, how does that work? Um, How does pride make us procrastinate? Well, there's a subtle way that you can get back at people by passively resisting. Kids are amazing at this. We learned it at a young age. Parent goes, hey, I need you to really clean your room right now. All right, I'll do it when I get around to it. That's a passive way of saying, I'll do it, but I'm doing it on my own terms. It's a subtle form of rebellion, of pushing it away. Um, If you ever want to challenge someone's control, you could do that passively. By procrastinating on what they've asked you to do. You could do it with your boss. You could do it with your spouse. And if you ever find yourself doing that, um, it might be good to say, why am I doing that? What am I resenting? What am I pushing away? Is there something going on here that I need to identify? Um, Arrogance or pride. Another cause of procrastination is indecisiveness. Indecisiveness. Now, this one's in James, James 1.8. It says, the double-minded man is unstable in all he does. When you're double-minded, it means you're not landed yet. This one, in this verse, is specifically talking about sometimes you're trusting God, sometimes you're not trusting God. But when you're double-minded, it's like you can't make up your mind. You've got too much going on. Um, have you ever been to Jerry's Deli? There's like three of them on Ventura Boulevard. You ever seen that menu? It's got like 362 items on there. Uh, and they want to come, and they want to know what you want to eat. It's like, man, I need like half hour. I want to camp on this thing. And there's so many choices. When you have a lot of choices, it can make you indecisive. You'll go through all the pickles on that table like three times before you end up choosing. That's why you may want to go to In-N-Out that night instead. It'll save you some time. Um, but being indecisive, there's a lot going on. That'll slow you down. Another cause of procrastination is perfectionism. 
perfectionism. This is when you feel like things have to be just right. If they're, just, if they're not just right, you're not moving forward. You can have huge expectations on yourself that are not realistic. You can impose those expectations on other people as well. But Ecclesiastes 11.4 says this, If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Isn't that true? Um, you can tend to put things off. I'll give you one more. One more cause of procrastination. Distracting activities. Distracting activities. This is Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. It says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Uh, Another version puts it this way. He who chases fantasies lacks judgment. There might be things in your life that you're chasing after, you're spending a lot of time in, but they aren't really helping you move forward in life like you need to move forward. They're really distracting you. So you need to evaluate your life. Are there any of those that are coming up right now? Now look at that list. Six things down there. For you, which one probably stands out the most for you this morning? (laughs) Someone just said all of them. (laughs) Isn't that true for all of us? Uh, But think about that. Think about that. Second way to move past procrastination, you know, we're, we're identifying where it's come from, but is ask God to help you realize the cost. Ask God to help you realize the cost of procrastinating. There's always a cost. You know, when you put something off long enough, there's always some kind of consequence that comes out of that. Um, We're going to pay for that some way or another. And we know that Scripture really points out three consequences of it. And we're going to hit these briefly just because this. When you realize how much something's costing you, there's some motivation to want to change that. So here's the first one. First cost of it is this. It creates trouble. It creates trouble. It causes problems. Makes life harder. What kind of trouble? Proverbs 15 verse 19 is a scripture that says this. Listen how it words it. It says the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns. means he has a rough path ahead of him. But the path of the upright is a highway. The Living Bible says it like this. A lazy person has trouble all through life. Um, You ever procrastinate on filling up your gas tank? Uh, Yeah. Uh, And then you end up running out of gas. Or worse yet, your wife is driving the car the next day. (laughs) Do your troubles multiply at that point? Yes, they probably would. Um, You ever put off going to the dentist? Well, that's a fun trip. Uh, Easy to put that off or going to the doctor. And by the time you go, the disease is already spread. Makes it more difficult. There's a million illustrations we could have. You could put off putting oil in your car. More trouble is going to come out of it. Um, so as you think through it, whenever we're putting something off, does it usually get better or worse? Almost always worse. Um, especially, especially relationally. When you know there's things you need to move forward and move towards, but you keep putting that off, that's going to have a big consequence as well. The longer you wait, the harder it is. What's the second cause of our cost of procrastinating? The second one would be that it wastes opportunities. It wastes opportunities. Ephesians 5.16 says, Make the most of every opportunity for doing good. 
Um, when opportunity knocks, someone says, open the door. <laughs> that's, that's good advice. But when you're dragging your feet on things, putting things off, there's things, life is really going to pass you by on so many different levels. You know, it seems clear that when you're really in the right places, doing and being responsible, being proactive, doing what you should do, God takes care of everything. Um, he provides for your needs. It's really been amazing working in student ministries for a long time, watching a lot of people who dedicated. They carve space out just to serve, serve in ministries, and watching them serving. It's really interesting talking to so many single people that were serving in ministry, just saying, you know, I'm going to trust God for a spouse. I feel like I'm doing the right things. I'm being faithful. <laughs> My antenna's up. I'm just waiting for God to do something. I can't tell you how many times God has people who become like-minded, serving and working in the same ways. How many marriages have come out of people just serving in ministry together? I've done so many marriages, uh, just people serving. Uh, but they were in the right place, doing the right things, and God has provided. Um, if, we're, if we're procrastinating, uh, what difference is that going to have in your life? For procrastinating, what kind of diff- what, what's it going to affect in your relationships? Um, what opportunities could you miss? I'm going to give you one more. The Bible also says that procrastination can cost us in another way. And this one's painful. And this is what it is. It wounds other people. It wounds other people. It hurts them. Proverbs 3, verse 3. If you have your Bible, you can flip back to Proverbs chapter 3. And this is what 3 verse 3 says. It's talking about love. In fact, Proverbs talks about this a lot. There's a lot of verses on love. I'm just throwing this one at you. It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. When the Bible talks about love, you know it's more than a feeling. Love is an action. Love is a choice. Love involves faithfulness. Love involves commitment. Love involves time. Love involves being proactive. Love involves being diligent. So when we begin procrastinating, putting something off, especially on a relational level, or where it's going to affect other people's life, it's one of the most unloving things we can do. It can wound other people. Destructive power in it. In fact, that's a lot of marriages are affected because of this. If you put something off so long, having the tough talk that you need to have keeps getting pushed off longer and longer. Creating space to be together keeps getting delayed till next week, next month. The cost on that relationship gets exponentially bigger. It wounds other people. And a lot of marriages have failed because of that. It wounds other people. So when this, with this topic, are you seeing, there's some, there's some heavy weight to this. It can have some big consequences and costs in our life. So if we're going to move past this, what, how do we actually do that? And that's, we're going we're gonna to close up with this part. And we're going to look at these scriptures that will help us. And, and the big thing is this. Tell God that you're ready to take the next step. Tell God you're ready to take the next step. Do you have that thing in mind? Maybe something already came to your mind as, throughout this message so far. But keep that in mind even as we walk through these next uh, specific steps that you can take tonight or this morning. Um, and maybe apply this week. Um, number one, quit making excuses. Quit making excuses. Proverbs just nails this head on. There's no wiggle room. Uh, 
It says, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. Actually, Mike Yearly may be saying this in Uganda today. Uh, <laughs> sluggard says, there's a lion outside or I'll be murdered in the streets. What's that proverb mean? Whoever says that, what's going on here? This person is just making up excuses why he can't get going. That's why the Living Bible puts it this way. The lazy man is full of excuses. Um, we're good at that. Excuses come really easy for most of us. Uh, it's easy to blame other people. Well, if it weren't for so-and-so, then I'd be able to do this. It's easy to blame circumstances. Well, if the economy were better, well, if I had better parents, if I were better looking, and whatever the circumstance is, we could always find a circumstance we can hit. But Proverbs seem to attack that. We shouldn't be people who just run around with excuses. Uh, here's a couple excuses that were given to insurance companies, auto insurance companies, about why an accident happened. This person said, I glanced at my mother-in-law and headed over a cliff. <laughs> uh, this one says, the pedestrian had no idea which way to go, so I ran him over. <laughs> I love that one. Um, but in life, uh, we can have excuses in life. You know, this one is probably one that I feel like I battle with the most. Well, when things settle down, I'll start going to that one. You ever, get, you ever think about that? Well, when this piece of my life starts calming down, then I'll go to this piece. Uh, and overall, there's some wisdom in that, but it's also easy to pull in as an excuse. Does life ever settle down? Yes, when you die, <laughs> it settles down. Before that, man, the Bible says, get ready. Life is going to have a lot of challenges, a lot of troubles. You're going to have, there's going to be things coming up in your family. There'll be things coming up in your health. There's going to things come up circumstantially, things that are out of your control. Life never totally settles down. So if you always have that excuse out in front of you, well, when things settle down, then I can, then I can really start moving forward in this area of my life. Just understand, we're going to have to move forward in less than perfect conditions in life. Because conditions will never be just right. So just catch yourself on those excuses. Is there anything holding you back? Is it something that you're afraid of? Quit making excuses. Number two, trust God's promise for help. Trust God's promise for help. Um, This is basically saying, I'm going to trust God to help me get out of the rut. I'm going to trust in God's power to do in me Something that I could not do on my own, in my own strength, just on my own initiative. I'm going to trust in God's power for that. This is probably one of the most famous Proverbs of all. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. A lot of people in here probably memorize that. The idea is you got to trust that God is so much bigger. God is more able. And he can do things in you that you can't do. Philippians chapter 4 backs this up. It says, There is nothing I can't master without the help of Christ who gives me strength. Um, I think today, just catch this. This is not, we're not going through some self-help thing here. Here's some six quick tools for you to, to be able to move on in life. You can't do everything you need to do in your own life. We need the power of God. Procrastination hits at the deepest core of who we are. It's dealing with issues of fear and pride, arrogance. Those can be very deep-seated. Thinking that our own sheer willpower will get us through that, we're joking ourselves. That's why Jesus came and died on a cross. We're a fallen people. We need help. We need the power of God. Um, 
there's, there's something amazing that happened a few weeks ago at a, at a high school camp. Just, just happened to be one of those times we'd been praying a lot about this camp and God really came and happened to, just in some of the most miraculous ways, setting students free of deep fears, um, convicting of sin, making big choices, some considering a call to ministry. It was kind of one of those unexpected things. It was just even during worship. We just extended the worship time, just kept worshiping and letting staff talk to, or the staff talk to the students and just respond to the Lord and all that. Um, and if you were here a week ago on Sunday night at the congregational meeting, you would have heard a testimony from one of our students. Her name's Jackie, uh, Jackie Perry. And Jackie shared that night about how God set her free uh, probably the most difficult struggle she had um, from some trauma that she experienced on a missions trip to Uganda that really affected her life. Why don't you take a look on screen and you can hear her story. Uh, I had the amazing opportunity to go to Uganda this past summer. And um, uh, we suffered a terrible tragedy. A young woman... <laughs> drowned in the lake by the camp we were working at. I was involved in trying to revive her and give her CPR. And uh, the Lord wanted to take her home. That was probably the most painful moment of my life. Uh, Before the incident, uh, I was involved in church. I love to worship and go to small groups and uh, leadership. And then when I got home, I felt like my world was upside down and um, everything changed. Everything reminded me of that pain and that moment. Um, Everything brought me back to her face and her eyes, and her lips, and her taste. I would have nightmares that wouldn't occur only at night, and uh, vivid flashbacks. Uh, I had tremendous stress and so many panic attacks. Um, I was a mess. I would just start crying uncontrollably, Um, shaking for what seemed like no apparent reason. (laughs) Um, Then my stomach started having major issues, and I lost 15 pounds. Uh, My memory and um, concentration were horrible, and I would beg my parents to let me quit school. Uh, At times it was even difficult to walk up the stairs at my house, let alone exercise, and I stopped playing soccer, which was a huge part of my life. Um, And forget about talking about it. This subject was off-limits to everybody in my life. Um, In fact, I pushed those closest to me farthest away. And uh, where was God? I, I couldn't find him. I would go to church and it would be so painful. I would stand up to worship my God, the one who is supposed to rescue me. And I would beg him to come comfort me. Uh, 
And when he didn't, I could look to my right and look to my left and see everybody else, you know, get filled up with Jesus. And I wanted to run away and to get out. And sometimes I did. Um, I wanted to be healed now. (laughs) Forget about God's timing. But God is never late. (laughs) God answered prayer. He set me free. And um, I can't even begin to tell you how powerful prayer is. That night, I stood up to worship, and I looked to my left, and all these people were raising their hands, and I looked to my right, and my friends, um, one fell on the floor, and one was, like, shaking, and um, I looked behind me, and my sister's bawling, and um, I was like, God is here, and I saw the door being opened, and so... I went to go find my counselor, Christy, and Alyssa, and Dana, and they just covered me with prayer, and I worshiped my God. And, um, and then um, they started playing a song called Blessed Be Your Name. And uh, that song, I could not sing it because... Literally two seconds after she died, we started singing Blessed Be Your Name. And um, so then I look at Christy, and I'm like, uh-huh. And um, she prayed, and um, then she looked at me, and she said, Are you ready to worship? I said, Yes. And we stood up, and she held my hand high, <laughs> Not one negative image or negative thought came to my mind. It was me and my God and nothing else. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I fear? Wait on the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord. Psalm 27. It's powerful. Um, you know, the Lord set Jackie free from severe post-traumatic stress that night at camp. Um, see God move in amazing ways. And, you know, as we, as we talk about this, we're talking about the deepest issues in life. And that's why, as we look at our life right now, as we're, part of this is an evaluation. We're saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you with these pieces of my life that I can't handle on my own. Uh, just like Jackie has a story. It's been amazing how she's been able to share that even at her school and other places. But um, God will give you a story about how he is able to do what you cannot do in your own power. So as we consider the things we're dealing with in life, whether it's fear or pride or any of these things, trust God's power. Trust in him to do what you can't do. 
going to give a couple quick ones and then we're going to take communion together and respond to the Lord in that way. But number three, if we're to move past this whole problem, procrastination, taking the next step, number three is schedule a deadline. Um, Best intentions aren't good enough. Uh, Saying it, I'll do it when I have time, you're never going to have time. Um, So the idea, if you want to get to know God better, well, schedule it. Make some space in your schedule to do that so you can spend some time with the Lord. The moment you write something down, it goes from becoming a wish to becoming a decision. And it can help you take the next steps, especially if it's a big project, something that's overwhelming. Take some bite-sized pieces. Um, If it's a relationship that's going bad, start making space so you can invest in that relationship. Proverbs 13, 16 says, A wise man plans ahead, but a fool doesn't. Number four. How else do we take a step? Number four is ask for accountability. Ask for accountability. Get someone to help you work through this. Don't face it alone. You ever go exercising early in the morning? Isn't that easier to meet someone at the gym? (laughs) That's great accountability. Really ticks you off when they don't show up, but it's great accountability for you to get there. Um, We need that in life. Spiritual partners. Romans 1.12 says, I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. Your faith will help me. My faith will help you. See, the idea in life, we're not... None of us are perfect. None of us make it alone. But just get a spiritual partner. Ask for some accountability in whatever area of your life that you need. And number five, replace finish it with begin it. Replace finish it with begin it. This is in your mindset you're thinking. Um, A lot of the times, one of the most overwhelming things to consider is you don't know how long this is going to take. You can't see the end. So even moving toward it or approaching it is so intimidating, it may want, it, want you to keep putting it off or pushing it away. So the mindset is at least just take a step. Begin. Someone said this, the wrong question to ask is, what do you feel like doing? The right question to ask is, how will I feel after doing the right thing? Isn't that wise? Um, so don't let yourself get caught with the excuses, excuses. well, when things settle down, well, they won't. <laughs> When I get around to it, you won't. Be intentional. Well, I'm aiming to do that. Well, quit aiming and pull the trigger. (laughs) Start moving towards this. Let's make some progress. Let's step forward in it. Proverbs 27, verse 1. It just warns us about not presuming upon the future. Proverbs 27, 1 says, Never boast about tomorrow. You don't know what will happen between now and then. Scripture says none of us are guaranteed the next 30 minutes, let alone a tomorrow. So don't wait to, be, to do what you need to do most in life. Um, in high school, there's a, a friend of mine that I had, and I'd known him for a little while, and uh, occasionally we'd hang out. Uh, whenever we'd hang back out, I'd look back on this relationship. He was, like, he was a super nice guy. He'd go out, he'd be the guy that'd buy your meal. Um, he was a, ge- a generally nice and caring guy. Um, wasn't like a best friend or anything like that. But I always used to think, man, I, I, sh- I really should just invite this guy to church. I should share the Lord with him. I need to do that. God started putting this guy in my heart. Um, and I kept waiting on that. Like, yeah, I'll do that. But it's that fear aspect. You know, you're going to share the Lord with somebody, and there could be rejection that comes out of that. Um, and I remember getting the news that he died in a car accident, terrible car accident. And that haunts me, even to this day. I'm like... I. And what part that haunts me, whether, you know, he would have come to the Lord or not, I don't know. Um, But I know this much. 
God was even speaking to me that I should be more intentional in that relationship, and I wasn't. Um, I put it off. I kept delaying. In fact, if I look back on that relationship, he was probably more like Christ in that than I was. Um, We aren't guaranteed a tomorrow. Proverbs tells us that. And so as we close today, um, I would encourage you, don't wait. If there's something that's already in your mind, don't wait on that. Don't wait to come clean. Don't wait to get your relationship right with God. Don't wait to get your relationship right with the people closest to you in your life. Don't wait on that. Don't wait to get, um, you know, it's time for you. You should be getting involved in ministry. Don't wait on doing that, missing the opportunities there. Um, Start moving forward on that. Jesus said, you can't put off God's kingdom until tomorrow. Seize the day. That's Luke 9.62. It's a great scripture. And so today, I would even challenge you, especially if you've been here for a while, you've heard about Jesus. You know he's God. He came, he's died, he's risen. To prove that he has power over life and death, let alone any struggle that we've got. And you know it's time to put your life, give your life over to him. Say you want to live your life for him, not for you. You need forgiveness from your sins. Today would be the day to do that as well. Because if you procrastinate on that, that would be the biggest mistake you could make ever. Um, I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and come forward, and they're going to start passing communion out. Um, And I'm going to share with you a little bit more as they do that. Uh, Then we'll pray. Um, After we pray, someone's going to come up and they're going to sing. And during that song at any time, you can take communion whenever you're ready. Um, as they're, as they're singing and doing that. But I want to give you a couple things to think about. Whenever we come before the Lord and, and we're going to take communion, communion is never something that's a magical fix. Communion is a picture of what God has done for us. If you take communion, go ahead, guys, you can go ahead and start passing it out. Um, and I'll pray once they get it. Um, communion is not something magical. If you take the bread and you drink this cup, This doesn't make you right with God. We're supposed to be right with God before we take it. So before you put anything in your mouth, before you drink anything, you need to kind of deal with what God's been putting on your heart this morning. Um, If you feel like you're just not ready to do that, that's okay. Let the communion pass you by. It's not a big deal. The most important thing, just make sure your heart is right with the Lord right now. Um, You acknowledge the Lord that He is God. Um, you acknowledge that the Lord today, you want to be proactive. Uh, you want to be diligent. And so as you, as you hold this cup, um, as you hold the bread, um, take some time to think about that. Take some time to come before the Lord and pray. And make sure that your heart is right. And let's thank the Lord for his death. And you know what that blood represents? That blood is a picture of a promise, of a covenant fulfilled that you never have to worry about when you die if you'll ever be with the Lord. That's covered. You don't ever have to wonder if God's going to leave you. He won't. Um, That's a promise fulfilled that we have eternity with him as well. So amazing cost and amazing hope all in this communion. Let's pray together and then they're going to sing a song as we spend time with the Lord. Well, Father, thank you this morning. We get to be a church standing with you. Um, 
whatever you put on our hearts this morning, if it's someone who needs to give their life to Christ and this will be their first communion as a believer, um, Father, I just pray, uh, put initiative in their heart right now that they would say yes to you this morning. They'd say they want to become a child of God, give their life over to you, cleanse them from their sin, receive them into your family. For every believer in this place, Lord, whatever you put on our hearts, first of all, don't let us come in here so prideful thinking we can get some quick tips and figure out how to change our life on our own. We can't. I pray that your power would manifest to make itself known in each of us to create and make us into the people you want us to be. That we wouldn't be afraid to deal with our most, probably most significant issues in our life that cause us to procrastinate, whether it's our fears or pride. Father, root those things out even now. Make it clear what steps we need to be taking and a heart that wants to do that today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. James 4.17 in the message uh, translation says, if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that for you is evil. Um, that's challenging. That's convicting. But we're not here this morning to stare at our past, to get um, uh, dragged down by our failures from the past. Like Stan was saying earlier, you know, Part of today is we're looking at today. We're looking forward. God's given us another day. God's given us the rest of our lifetime to be intentional with the things he's putting in front of us. So I encourage you, um, take advantage of that. In fact, uh, George Gallup did a poll. It was very interesting. He said that there's 34 million Americans that are willing to go to church if someone would just ask them. Uh, There's a good chance you might know one of those 34 million. Uh, maybe this week that's part of your step. So keep your antennas up. Uh, be alert. Maybe God will be having you ask someone, and we may have some new people here next week uh, for the first time. But enjoy the Lord this week. Go under His covering. And God bless you. We'll see you next week.